0: Yes, people, welcome back to Process. Today, we're joined by a very special guest who I'm very excited to talk about. I followed him, I think, I was listening to you on a podcast, the Rocks Life podcast. I think that's when I first started listening to you. And then I've been following you ever since. Really interested in your training, um, your High Rocks training, which, again, I'm, I'm competing in a few weeks' time. And also talking about sobriety and obviously the issues you've you've dealt with. But we've got Mr. John Wynn on the podcast today. Thanks for joining us, mate.
1: G'day, yo. Nah,
0: thanks for having me, mate. It's an uh, honor to be on here. Yeah. So, quickly talking about High Rocks. Obviously, for people who don't know what HyROX is, or you are the expert. Obviously, you were at the European Championships last week. Explain briefly, quickly what Hirox is, and then obviously we'll dive into your training and stuff afterwards.
1: Yeah, so Hirox is um, a fitness race. Uh, so it's a, it's a functional fitness which incorporates um, eight kilometres of running and eight um, functional fitness stations. So uh, any, from skier to pushing uh, sled push to sled pull to row, kettlebell car- uh, farmers carry um, burpees um what else is there lunges uh and warbles so it's it's not technical but, but um it's uh it's it involves your cardiovascular system and um your strength systems and uh, it's just a, a good old round fitness test really yeah, it's tough.
0: I, I've got kind of hooked into it because I, I started following a few people on who, was, who i seen. It was like Ollie Marchon who's been doing a bit of high rock stuff. And I was like, you know what? This looks like something different. I, I, I've always been someone who hated running as well. So I was like, right, this is going to be a bit of a challenge. And I've tried it. And it's just a mental battle, which I love. It's kind of like each station's got their own little twist. Um, Obviously, you had the European Championships last week. How did that go for yourself? What was your reflection on, on that?
1: Yeah, so... Uh... In in reflection, um, it was a lot to learn. Uh, It was a good stepping stone. It was um, a good experience. So I've done, that was my fifth race. So I only really started, that was, I've been doing this eight months, I think nine months. So I'm really, really new to this Um, and getting back into sport again. So I was, we'll talk about this later, but I was gone for a lot of years there in addiction. So I'm just starting my sort of athletic career again. Um, I did uh, a race in April, then three races, and within those races, uh, they qualified me for the European champs. So uh, I went to that. Um, I was really optimistic how it was going to go, um, but this was a, a high-end race with a lot of a lot of good pedigree and a lot of good athletes. Um, and look, I was a little bit disappointed in my performance because I know I've performed better, um, but I've really I've got, to, I've got to chalk this up as experience. Um, there's not many opportunities you get like that and there's not many uh um, opportunities where other athletes will get the opportunity to race with the, the elite guys so I've got to chalk this up as an experience um and get back out there and go again but a little bit disappointed because my past performances have been better but at the end of the day um i have got to take from it what I can and then just discard the rest yeah that's
0: brilliant, that's brilliant. how did you get into high Rocks originally because I know obviously like I said I listened to your podcast before Originally, when you were younger, were you an athlete? Did you perform at a certain level? And then, obviously, how did you transition into into high rocks later in life?
1: Yeah, so when I was young, um I did athletics. So when I when I say athletics, people think I was uh, running, but no, nah, I, I was a thrower. So predominantly, I was a javelin thrower. Uh, I was quite good. um Like when I was under eighteen, so this is when I was about sixteen. Uh, I'd qualified for uh, the World Youth Games, um, so I didn't get to go to that unfortunately because I tore the ligament off my elbow about, about two, three weeks before going to uh, Montreal to compete. So that really um, stopped my athletic career. Uh, and then I went, I went ba- uh, back to playing rugby league for a few years to try to um, to try to make it in that. Um, growing up as, as younger, I always sort of played it, and I had some mates who were got picked up by some um I suppose like feeder clubs and we're going leaving our country town to um go and play football so I, I went back to football for two years to see if I could make it I didn't quite cut the mustard so um I joined uh the military and um that that was like it's not a sporting uh endeavor but you're pretty much an athlete <laughs> like yeah. um I went through and did special forces so I was a, I was a commando in the um second commander regiment in the Australian military so that was essentially being an athlete all the time anyway it was quite re- resilient and we trained twice a day three times a day went to war did all these things so it was uh even though I wasn't competing I was um still fit and one of the, had to be one of the fittest guys on uh, an um, active duty here uh, especially working at altitude when you're overseas at war that was um you get, you get quite fit and quite tough um But yeah, so, uh, left the military, um, didn't go back to really doing sport. Um, went into addiction, that was quite a few years. And then, um, about a year ago, um, that I was doing, I was wrestling. So I I wanted to compete at something. I didn't know what it was, but it was in the midst of sort of COVID and there wasn't really a lot going on. Um, there, there was, there wasn't allowed to be sports played really like, but we're allowed to wrestle which is funny. So like I'd go to the gym, would wear a mask and would do Jiu Jitsu. It, it didn't make sense to me, <laughs> but so we're sweating at each other, you know, but, but we couldn't compete. So I was doing wrestling for a while. Um, there was no competitions allowed. And then I seen uh, at the gym here in Mallorca mega sport, they, um, they had a high rocks event. And my wife was pregnant at the time and I, I seen it and I hadn't run for a lot of years and I seen there was running involved. And I, I always, I didn't enjoy it heaps, but I knew I was, I was okay at it, but I was never great. But um, it's something I, I sort of did miss, yeah. Like I missed running is is real pure. And um, so I seen that they were having competitions and then I sort of kept an eye on it. I didn't compete. Um, and then I, I told my wife, like, I think, I'm going to have a crack at this, rather than waiting for um, wrestling competitions to start again. So, what I did was I found an event which is in um, in Vienna. So this was last April, and I gave myself about ten weeks to train for that. And then I um, sort of threw together a training program with my sort of knowledge. Um, I started looking around a bit how to train for something like this. Committed to ten weeks. Um, Did what I thought was enough, which was one session a day for five to six days a week. Um, And then went and competed uh, and realized that I needed to do a lot more work, but my time was good. So it was um, my first race was 67 minutes. And uh, for my first go with running three times a week, um, I wasn't strength training. I was just pushing the sled. I was pulling the sled. I was just doing some aerobic Conditioning like that, um, my time was pretty good. So I knew after that race, um, which was almost the, the end of the season before, uh, I set up my my uh, biggest weakest weakness was running. So I committed to a running program. I just designed, I learned how to do it, designed it myself, entered in a ten k race, and then that's really how I've uh, got into high rocks and progressed. So I essentially became a, a ten kilometer runner. With the way I look at it I was become a 10 kilometer runner and I kept my strength and I designed a training program which allows me to keep my strength keep evolving um my cardiovascular system and developing all the skills along the way and that's so this is, this is sort of where I'm at and how I've got to the level I have in that sort of short time frame which is it, it is pretty short considering it hasn't even been a year and the elites already
0: I was gonna say that's pretty very good. Was it the pro race that you jumped straight into as well? Was it the sixty-seven minutes was a pro race? Yep. Yeah. Into
1: this, that. Into yeah, like, yeah. My my wife was telling me, um, she was just do the open. Yeah, like why do you have to go pros? And I said, it's just my personality. Um, I've always tried to be above average, and you know, getting special forces like you always want to be in that top, that top elite. Yeah, the top percent, and literally, this is what's happened with. When I go after something, I, I commit to it. And this is essentially how I've got to where I am right now uh so early on in my uh, high-rocks career.
0: Yeah, that's the best mindset now. I think if you've kind of had like some sort of athletic background, you you were pretty much, you could class yourself a professional athlete because your sort of lifestyle, when you're in the military, was very much the same sort of lifestyle as a pro-athlete. You've, once you've got that in your head, you can't then like, all right, I'm just going to drop down a level. If you have something that you really want to go towards, like you'll have that mindset, you want to do it. Um, but I, I'll, i be fair. I'm tempted to try and jump into a pro race because I, I, have signed up to the doubles. Um, so originally, it was kind of one of them things like, do I do it, do I not? Because I've came from a fo- I'm a football like a boss. Do you call it soccer or football in in Australia? Yes.
1: Probably. Yeah, look, politically correct. That I, I, I grew up in the in a country town where there was the the group that played soccer, football, and then there was footy, which was rugby. Yeah, like in oh, yeah. the. Was the, there were two different sort of groups, and they would clash. But it, we saw soccer, but football, it's it, now it's it's recognised as football. Yeah, because yeah,
0: you've got like Aussie rules and stuff, which is like there was a we had an Australian when I split football. It was an Australian lad who used to sit and just watch that all the time, and they just they are like top top level athletes. Them them Aussie Aussie
1: rules. AFL players are uh, uh, middle distance runners who are strong, like yeah. they're they got some of the best, um I think, VO2s and the cardiovascular systems. They're, they're running over 20 kilometres a game. Um, they're they're fit guys, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: and I was going to say, um, I lost track when I was going there. But yeah, I used to play football. So I was, I was a goalkeeper, so I never used to run so I used to always be the one who was like, nah, I'm not running, I don't need to, I'll go and just do some handling, I'll <laughs> ball around or whatever it is. So when I was with the bait and um, were, were doing it, I was like, go on, we'll sign up. And ever since I've actually gotten to running, I've started to kind of get that, like I'm hooked into it a bit. So I am tempted to try and do a, like a solo one, and maybe depending on how well we do in, in Glasgow, maybe do a do a pro one down the line. But like I said, I'm kind of obsessed with this, this style of training, just from the pure mindset side of things. Um. And the training side of things, I quite like how you have to work. Quite there's a lot of mental kind of side of it. It's not just right. You need to do one session a day, five days a week, like you do. Like generally, it's that kind of right. I know I need to do a little bit more to kind of push myself to to improve my fitness, to improve my strength, um, and it also work on your weaknesses. I really like that style of
1: training. Yeah, look at uh, the why I think I've I've liked this this sport so much. It, it's it is painful, yeah, but like you. You don't just jump in the deep end straight away. So you've got you've got to work your way up. In a lot of this is a lot of your training will be done at threshold. So that's your. It's not one hundred percent where you 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 can't last very long. It's in that sort of area where it hurts. Um, So you need to be able to train that. And there's so many different aspects to this. Yeah. So. You've, it's so um, multi-dimensional so you've got your strength you've got the running but you need to be able to run long and slow you need to be able to run short and fast you need to be able to jump you need to be able to throw you need to be able to push stuff you need to be able to pull stuff it's really balanced so if you want to get good at this um you have to train all those different um those different skills and those different um I suppose energy systems and yeah like it's in, your, in one session a day is is okay if you're going this for fun but if you want to be competitive which if you've got a personality like me and i think you you probably do you'll you'll do this and you'll get a taste for it and this is what happens with everyone who gets into this sport um, because it's you know when you start don't don't compare yourself to other people even though you're gonna because you go onto the site after you compete and you'll see your times but if you start it's really competing against yourself and you can always get better you know like um to, uh, for me like every time i finish there's something which i like i need to address that now i need to go back i need to work on that and it's never just like okay that my, my slip push is enough now like i don't have to do it anymore if i don't give that attention i lose it so it's really like the amount of uh, effort you got to put in has really got to be spread across the field and um this is something because it's such a long race you can always just be chipping away getting better for I I can see this you get old with this sport and um you can keep doing it for for a long time and it's not saying about the mental aspect uh like I I I considered myself I'm 36 now so 37 this year I thought uh athletically like I'm not going to really get stronger I'm not really going to get faster but this sport isn't about the strongest guy or the fastest guy it's about who can uh, go, um go the longest and furthest in sort of in the locker, yeah, like suffering. So just at that threshold, which I spoke about before, that sort of eighty-seven to ninety-three percent of your max heart rate. If you can live there and it's fast enough, you're going to do well in sport. But it's all, it's all mental. It's where yeah. how long you can. How long you can stay in that in that fight?
0: That's that's what I love about this. so it is a lot of mental, and I feel it. The more you do it, the better you get. Like if you get someone off the street to just try and do this workout, they're not going to be able to push themselves to that level. Yes, obviously the fitness level is not going to be the same, but the longer that you can kind of like get, you it's just it's just getting used to suffering, in a a, a sense, isn't it? Really, obviously your fitness will improve as it goes through. And that's one of the things I love about it because after every time I do it, like even do like a mock high rocks workout. I feel that, like, kind of endorphin release afterwards, you get such a buzz, which with other, like, types of training, like, your typical bodybuilding, strength and conditioning sort of training, you don't necessarily get that, which I think why I've kind of got myself hooked into this. And then, like you said, there's always little, like, there's 10 seconds on war balls you can pick up on, there's 10 seconds on the baby boat, like, little tiny tweaks that you can make to your training. And then because you know there's them tiny little tweaks, you get obsessed with kind of, right, I need to refine yeah. this little exercise, I need to refine on my running, whatever it is. Um, so it's, kind of, it's a never ending sort of cycle that you can get yourself into with this. And just you can, like I said, you can get to have yeah. done it very
1: easily. Yeah, 100%, like, and you gotta be careful not to get into that Okay, this micromanaging, all the little things. Like yeah. the, the best advice I'd say is um get fitter and then everything else become easier. And that's the sort of mental aspect living at that sort of that threshold. So, what I see a lot of people make mistakes is um, like they go 100% and then blow up, and like that's over like a five minutes time span. Yeah, like and then I learn how to go into pain for a minute, and then learn how to go in for two minutes, then learn how to do three, and then over weeks and months, just you get more exposure exposure to it, and it it, it still hurts, but it's not going to burn you. Yeah, and you're not going to just going to walk away from it. Just take it easy and just your capacity
0: up um yeah, 100%. 100%. yeah that's what i've been doing with washing my, my heart rate as well so i've been tracking that quite a bit when i've been running like, say i recommend this to all my clients if you're going into like say some of my clients want to do um there's a great north run like it's like a half marathon to do every year uh, in newcastle so a few of my clients are wanting to do that for the first time i've said right you've never done run before literally to start off with i want you to run for a certain amount of time once your heart rate gets above this certain threshold Go for a walk, let your heart rate settle down because one, like firstly, you might not mentally be able to deal with the higher heart rates. And you you kinda I don't want you to get put off this sort of training because it will get better with time. And then you can just build it up. And like for myself, I'm kind of I'm doing the say like the sled or the ski, whatever it is. My heart rate might be elevated a little bit more, but a little bit more. But I'm making sure I don't go over a threshold because I know I've still got so what, six or seven workouts left over in in the high rock sort of thing. So it's just making sure you manage yourself. Um, with that, but it's just again like you said, build your tolerance up, and then you, I think you did a workout. Was it the other day? I know you said you were meant to do like a, a easier workout on your Instagram story, but you ended up wanting to push yourself and see how long you could push in that threshold. And it's just kind of like yeah. you said, reminding yourself that you can push yourself. That you just obviously need to work on like tidying up different aspects of your training.
1: Yeah, like that. That was a bit of bit of punishment, I guess. But yeah. like, I, that that's taken me a long time to be able to live at eighty. 80- I, was, I wanted to stick between 85 to 90% of my heart rate. And I, I can do this, but I don't recommend it to do it all the time, but like I've got sessions, um, which I don't really change my training program that much, but every Thursday I do the same session and I've been able to track my data through that. And um, I can see where my uh, heart rate w- um, will start to go up a little bit and then it will drop down as I, the weeks I go progress. So I'm, I know I'm getting fitter, but what that living in that high heart rate um it produces like lactic acid yeah so it's very toxic but the longer you and the more exposure you have to living up there the your body learns how to process that and use it and I think it my understanding is like if you get used to that and accustomed to it your body can use it as a bit of a fuel so it's not like your muscles start to seize up and fill up with toxins like you learn how to process it as long as you don't go into like 95 97 but you you've got to play around with it. This. this takes a long time like i've been doing compromise running i started like in june and that was literally with uh i take a sandbag down to the um to the water down near my place and i'd do 50 front squats run a kilometer uh 50 uh 50 walking lunges run a kilometer and I just, I did this a couple of times a week and I did that for months. And that, I think that contributed to my ability to be able to do what I what I do um, mm-hmm. and be able to sort of fight off that lactic acid. And I think that's what makes uh, the elite guys, um, the ability to go into that sort of red zone and it's gonna happen, but going into the red and not blowing up and just sort of like, you just have to ease off for a little bit and stick in there um, and just uh, tough it out really. Yeah, you,
0: learn, you kind of learn to know what it feels like to be in certain zones and what your body can cope with and when you've kind of pushed it too far as well. And the great thing you mentioned about that, this type of training, all you literally need is your body weight and maybe like a little weight. Like you said, you took a sandbag down to the beach. You could do a workout with anything. You don't You don't even need weight necessarily. You could just do a run, some burpees, some walking lunges, like anything. Like this sort of training is very adaptable for anybody at all levels yeah, yeah,
1: as well. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. because yeah, you guys you, are
0: using – sorry, are you to say –
1: <laughs> if, if, if I was um if I was just going to do be doing open I wouldn't need to be doing a lot of strength yeah uh, the pro the pro weights you need strength you need to be able to move that sled uh there's a lot of difference between the open sled and the um the men's pro so uh if I was if I, yeah, I was not doing pro and I was just doing open like I wouldn't need to be going and doing as much strength training as I am however in the pros I need to be able to move weight. Uh, weight moves weight and strength, um, you, you, it's, you need it, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, you don't – anyone getting started, you don't need a lot, yeah. And, I, like, with the heart rate stuff, I track all my heart, uh, heart rate data. I find it interesting and it helps me progress and know how far I've come. But, um, yeah, like, when I was doing all these sessions, I would learn – I learned what what it feels like to be an aerobic. So sort of the 135 to 145, I know what that feels like. I know what – what 90 percent feels like and after a long you know after a while doing this you can do it go by feel um but it is good as well when i do treadmill workouts i have my heart rate monitor open and i watch what's going on that way i can see and i can sort of i know what you know on the rpe scale what what nine out of ten feels like and then i can know if i'm i'm sort of cheating myself if i'm not putting in like if i'm sitting and i'm not even in the red and I, i want to give up like that's I'm, I'm capable of way more than that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely helps looking at all that data. Like don't get, I wouldn't get too anal with it because you can get to, to, um, yeah, just critique it too much, but learn, learn the data side of things, learn what you feel like, and then you can mix them together and, um, um, progress. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's just the longer you do it, the more you, like I said, you learn your body, you learn what it's works, tough. but what uh, in terms of training, we'll dive into like your actual training program. How, what have you have been doing? So it's just like a typical week for yourself.
1: Yeah, so right now um so my, my training has uh evolved um because I, i'm i'm new to this uh so what i've what i did was i was running when i th- before i first competed in Belenthia in october i was running about 70 to 80 kilometers a week uh, i brought that right down now because i don't think it's needed so right now what my week looks like so on a monday uh, in the, the first session, am will be a running session, but it will be speed orientated. So like the intervals, uh, I did a block of Hill, um, intervals, um, the last sort of three weeks before I competed in Maastricht, I don't know if that worked too well, but, um, uh, that's, just to sort of get the idea. So it's a, it's a run which usually about 13 to 15 kilometers, but it's speed orientated. Um, Monday afternoon will be strength. So that day I consider to be sort of high stress. And then, so I go to Tuesday and this, uh, what I do there is sort of compromise work. I do station work, I call it, but I use a salt bike. So I use this salt bike uh, as a run. So I'll vary the, the sort of the intensity uh, and the duration, and then I'll use that as a run. I'll jump off, i do a station. I-, I change the the distance and the weights depending on how I feel and where I'm at. And I repeat that eight to 10 times. And then uh, Tuesday afternoon will be a recovery session. I'll just jump on the bike. Um, so that that's a sort of medium day for me. And then Wednesday, I go to a, a light day. So that'll be a easy recovery run, or I'll jump on the, the rower or ski or something aerobic, where it's not a huge stress on the body. And then Wednesday afternoon is strength again. So that's sort of three days, which are high, a medium, and a sort of a low. And then I uh, go to Thursday, which is my compromise running work where I do the same session. I've done it since I've started in October where I do a station and I jump on the treadmill. And what I've done is – I started over like four minutes, 10 a kilometre roughly. And each week I've just got that faster and faster and faster. And now I'm at three minutes, 20 a kilometre I can hold that's quick. in between. Um, yeah, but that's, I wouldn't recommend this. This, this is like progressive overload. This is so the principle I've used is to jump on um, and it's treadmill. It's, it's not. The same as running on the ground that's <laughs> much i was going to say
0: i was going to ask that what's your times treadmill wise compared to actually on race day what's the difference would you say
1: um so it, it's sort of it's a little bit hard to so when uh i think i'm around three around 350 to yeah around the 350 to 355 uh min per kilometer um mm-hmm. for the high rocks now you gotta you gotta factor in like I do uh, like 80 meters of burpees and then i have got to run so yeah. like I'm still under four minutes a kilometer factoring in like you get up and your heart rate is, is skyrocketing and you push the sled so it's about 350 ish I think um now my goal is to get that faster and to be to be a good chance at winning this um it needs to get faster those are some of these other guys are runners like really good runners um, I don't have that background. I don't have that pedigree. I've just got a, p- a bit of toughness, um, but I need to improve that and get that faster. But, uh, it's so the, the Thursday, that's that session that goes for about 75, 80 minutes. I deliberately drag that out. So I go ha- longer and further and it's harder than a high rocks. So high rocks feels pretty short for me. And that's, I do that deliberately. Um, Thursday afternoon is recovery ride right again. Um. Uh, and I might be do some mobility. So Friday is another aerobic, I start with a, a run or an aerobic session. And then Friday afternoon is strength again. And now with that strength session, I can, uh, with and all my strength sessions, I can modify them. And so you, I think you were seeing me a couple of weeks ago, I did, um, I was doing back squats into ski erg, back squat into ski erg. again. I did that five times and then I jump on the rope. And, um, so I ch- turned it into like a conditioning, so I'm lifting the same weight heavy, but I'm not having a rest and I'm just checking it in there. Um, the ergs. so I can modify that, uh, depending on how I feel and where I'm at the train in my um, cycle, but yeah. And then Saturday I, I, I do like a high rock sim. Um, so I do, I've done that every day, <laughs> every, every Saturday for, for a while now, um, and with, with all this training, like I'm open to changing things and I'm open to evolving. It's just, this is what has worked for me to get me to this point. And uh, I guess for someone who's just started, um, I think this program has worked for me. Will it work for me in four four months time? I I don't know. We'll see how I keep progressing. And if I keep getting faster or if I stall, um, I need to assess things and look at it. But um, that's, that's pretty much how my, my week looks. Um, On Sunday, I'll do a recovery ride for about 90 minutes and it's literally i've got a bike here on the the balcony i just jump on on the cold like it's there's nothing special about it doesn't give me any readings but what i do is i just get my uh heart rate monitor out on the on my phone and um i keep my heart rate between that 110 to 120 beats and that's um a recovery effort and that helps clear my legs out and i reckon that out so of do three sessions in a week which are recovery focused and I wasn't doing that when I first started and I think my recoverability definitely comes down to adding these sessions in which is recovery focused. Mm-hmm. so if you like if I've got you know uh 12 to 15 12 to 15 hours of work in the week and 10 hours of that work is high intensity like it doesn't there's too much peaking air. like you need to have a big base so you need to have those recovery days, or it's, I think it's a matter of time before you get injured, you get sick, or really it's hard to keep turning up the training when it's just pain all the time, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's not sustainable. Yeah. You need to have these days which uh, allow for recovery and, um, for downtime. Yeah, hundred percent. Everybody who I've spoke
0: to, who are like in the running sort of world, they're like, "Run your hard days hard, run your easy days easy." Like you need to have those easy days. Like you're doing a lot of volume. People are probably listen, think, "Bloody hell, this guy trains a lot." But it's not all at a super high intensity because one mentally, like you said, you're not going to be kind of you're not like I almost if I burn myself out and do too many high intensity workouts, I don't look forward to the workouts. Whereas if I save myself a bit, and I do a lot of like zone two sort of lower intense stuff, then I've got my three maybe four like hard sessions in the week. I look forward to them like I almost like obviously in a, in a sick sort of way you kind of like you do look forward to them like, I'm ready to push myself here yeah, I'm like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of rested I'm fueled I'm ready for it whereas if you do that every single day you're going to be one not going to be performing the best and also you're just going to not be looking for you not going to be enjoying your training um, which is why we kind of do what we do because yes it hurts but we also enjoy it and we feel good for it and uh, so it's just getting that balance
1: yeah it's not it's balanced I, I see so many people when they they come to me for advice uh, through Instagram and, and whatnot and most people are just doing uh going too hard in all those sessions is too hard. And like I see some people like they are put uh easy run and they're running like four minutes twenty yeah. a kilometer. I'm like, that's not fucking easy. Yeah, like yeah. like easy is like your heart rate is in an aerobic zone, yeah. Like it's not a, it's supposed to be a loud stimulus on the body. So I think people need to reassess like just cause you, if it's not in the red, it's easy. No, no, like yeah. easy, it's easy. Like it's, it's there for it's, it serves a purpose. Yeah. Yeah. No,
0: even like with some of my runs, like I'm running like. On my easy runs, sometimes I take the dog out just to slow me down a little bit because she's stopping for a way every so often. I'm like, right, it's an easy day to take the dog out to slow myself down. But then you might see someone on Instagram doing, an, like, you might do a 10k run, you might take you 60 minutes on, on an easy day. You might see someone on Instagram and then put like a, a sub 40 minute and you're like, God, I, should, I need to push myself. But just run your, like, they always talk about running your own race, you, you go at your own pace. Everyone's working at different levels. So just don't, like, that's one thing. Don't compare yourself to other, th- other people. Um, but it's just getting that balance.
1: Yeah, like and, uh, having a program. So having a, a mm-hmm. program which uh, addresses this, yeah, like um, like I don't have a coach. I've sort of taught myself this. I've just tried to um, be self-taught, seeing what other people are doing, coaches are doing. But I understand th- there needs to be uh, hard days, there needs to be easy days, and I stick to it. Um, Except yesterday, um, but uh, you, you stick to it and you understand that this is how you progress. Yeah, um, and if you got no, if you got no idea what you're doing, you're just it's like you're just having a stab in the dark, and you, you're going to come um, up short because you're going to get injured or you're just going to stop enjoying it. So you need to understand why you're doing it, and I guess getting a coach like yourself or even myself, like who can set a program for you and so you understand and explain to you why you're doing this, mm-hmm. um, and then it. It definitely helps you uh, commit to the program more and uh, you can have a bit more, like you're a bit more all in because you understand what, what what's actually happening.
0: Yeah. The one good thing I say to people about getting a coach is we've made the mistakes that we don't want you to make. So uh, we've pushed ourselves too. i push myself too hard that I'm, I'm sick for a few days and you start, you know yourself when you kind of, you run down, like you track your HIV. So this is probably similar to myself you know when you've kind of pushed it over the edge so a coach can guide you through that sort of that foot sort of journey making sure you don't burn out and if you do start pushing it too much your coach can say right back off because i know obviously being an af- athlete like background myself similar to yourself when you do start getting tired you question yourself thinking am i tired because i'm mentally weak or am i tired because i'm actually tired and then you, you end up doing you end up pushing yourself anyway and then you find out all right i actually was tired i needed to back off but then having a coach to tell you right things that like your heart rate's a little bit higher today you haven't slept well whatever it is whatever the kind of different variables are we need to back off a little bit so that's the great thing about having a coach because like i just said i'm like i'm feeling i'm starting to feel a little bit tired now but i know i've got a tough workout today and i'm like should probably just back off a little bit but because i've got this <laughs> workout on my headset and like, i just want to push it a bit more um but will find the, yeah. the same sort of thing this is a, the conundrum
1: yeah like um i mean i'm like uh, in my background and sort of my mindset is i just tough through things so i like I'm learning that I need to maybe look at this a little bit differently as well. And performance is a lot different to just doing well. Um, mm-hmm. And like, a, like I, don't, I don't have a coach, but it's something which I, I need to play around the, I, you know, play around with is maybe getting someone on board to help me with my journey. Cause I don't know it all. And um, like, I, I need to admit this and taking, giving someone else a bit of the power to maybe make it not like all the decisions, but like, help me influence and maybe see things from a different perspective. Um, cause my, like, as I'm getting older, like a lot of the way I, I see things and, um, mightn't be the correct year. And I need other influences. I need to learn off other people and see things a bit differently and have, um, get a bit more wisdom and knowledge and, um, take from other people what they have to offer. So it's something I need to consider is maybe get myself a coach who can help me, um, evolve as, as an athlete and not, um, it's just so I can keep progressing because uh, there's probably a good chance I could get to a point where I'll plateau and you need someone to help you externally um, because we just don't know it all. And if you think you know it all, you're, you're a fool, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Always,
1: yeah, so obviously we touched on training there. I'm interested
0: to dive into the sobriety and obviously the alcohol addiction. When did that, well, firstly, what do you think kind of triggered it? Was it coming out of the military? Was it just kind of losing purpose? What do you feel
1: it was? Um. So... Look, I, I think um, part of me has always been an addict of some type. Um, so, like, what, when I've, I've gone back through, through my past and, and whatnot, like, I, I always had this um, is growing, like, when I was little, uh, I was a very sensitive sort of kid, I guess. Um, so, I think my, my first addiction when I look back was actually comfort eating, to be honest. Um, there were stresses at home when growing up, a bit of a dysfunctional family. and um, in fact going into too much um yeah like growing up wasn't and uh, the best, easiest i guess and a lot of um stress as a kid so uh i think comfort eating was like my first sort of uh addiction and then um then i, I got into sport and that was then i took on that and that gave me a different type of feeling that empowered me and uh, then i took um i, I used that as a as sort of growing up as, as a bit of a tool um and then growing up and like i I was being exposed to alcohol um growing up it was never a problem even through when i was 18 when i was 20 playing football and doing my sports uh before i joined the military i I never never used to drink more than one day in a row um it was just a, a i was like everyone else um and then the wheels really started to fall off after being in the military yeah like having. It really, I guess when I look at it, when I, after my first sort of deployment, I'd say going on deployment, coming back, having downtime, um, then I started to use it a bit more than, than what everyone else was. And then what happened was I would, um, I did four trips in four years where I'd go to war, I'd come back, have downtime, start to prep for war again, go back, deploy, um, go to war and this cycle went on and um each time this happened I, I get got worse and worse and worse and um eventually um it just became my life um and it's like addiction is progressive um uh, it gets worse it never gets better um there's not many people who get spiral out of control and then okay i can stop now like once once it sets in that's like a disease of the mind um it's you can't really turn it off I, and this is something I thought for a long time, just accepting that this is just how I am. And I react differently, um, to alcohol and drugs to other people, but it would be yeah, Jeff, it started after, after joining the military. That's, that's when, uh, I could look back and say when like, um, partners and friends back then was had interventions and like, this is getting out of, out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I didn't listen and it just progressed.
0: Yes, so when you're away with the military, you were not allowed not drink at all, were you? Or,
1: oh. um, yeah, there was sanctioned drinking. Um, it's like downtime. Like you need R and R, um, because of the the tempo that we would operate at is quite high, quite high demanding, is uh, stressful. Um, so it was it was uh, times where we, we were allowed to, yeah, yeah. So, do you think it was more of a,
0: a switch off mechanism, like a way to relax, or was it more like a, a in terms of like an escape from issues and stuff that were going on, like the things that you were dealing with mentally?
1: I think it's a combination of a lot of things. Um, I think me, like my personality is probably pretty exposed, uh, pretty. Yeah. like I, I have it in, in my nature to use things to feel better. Um, it's just how, how, how like, I, I guess I am and, um, but. Like, it's not, I don't fully think it's like a genetic thing. Like my, my brother and three sisters, they're not, our two sisters. They're not, they're not alcoholics or addicts like I am. Um, So I think it's, it's a combination, probably the perfect storm. Um, Drinking definitely uh, did something for me uh, and it gave me something. It allowed me to sort of live a life and be someone else, I guess. But definitely to deal with things that's uh, one of the reasons is it helped help me to deal with things um it, it was like my cape I guess you could say mm-hmm. um wasn't a very effective it was I thought it was effective it was probably at the time but um that sort of wears off but it allowed me to sort of yeah live life fitting in I guess yeah uh and I, I can look back and identify like it was giving me something and allowing me to live life in a manner which I thought was um, good and healthy at the time, but it was really health, unhealthy, toxic and um, end up taking pretty much everything from, from me. Yeah, it's interesting
0: that alcohol is like a societal norm, which I think what makes it kind of harder for people to realise that there's an issue with drinking all the time. Like Even people like, just like stereotypical, working Monday to Friday and then drinking Friday Saturday, maybe Sunday. That's where one of my, like I mentioned at the start of the podcast, one of, my, one of my good mates, he kind of went through the um, whole alcohol addiction rehab process. Um, he was the same. He'd started off, he was an ex-footballer. Professional footballer played at a, a reasonably good level. Um, Retired, Patrick retired at like 21, 22, I think. around the same age I did. Um, and he just kind of... It was the loss of structure that really got him. So he was saying it would start off uh, Monday to Friday. He would then go out on a Saturday. Obviously, because he, could, he didn't, wasn't working on a Sunday. It wasn't like he had to go in for a training session or anything on Sunday. Then it turned to a little bit on Friday night, then Saturday night. And then a little bit Friday, all day Saturday, all day Sunday. But then he was very good at terms of Monday to Friday he would stay away from it it was just at the weekends he would go completely off it. but then he would still train he would still function but he would beat himself up with training he's like he's, so now he trains for like ultra marathons and stuff he's, he's crazy anybody who knows Alex Kitchen he's, he's, he's crazy he's a really good athlete great guy but that was kind of his cycle sort of thing and he couldn't escape it and then obviously a lot of issues came at the weekends fighting drugs all that sort of stuff which is kind of obviously why he ended up going into the uh, into rehab with things but it's 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 hard. I don't know if it's like people just feel like it's a normal thing to drink on a weekend and escape reality. That's the reason why so I've, I've committed to six months sober. I've only got like three weeks left of it just because I was fine. I, I never really had a massive issue with it. I just didn't really, it, it wasn't aligned with my values. It wasn't in line with like, I, like personally, I want to improve my business. I want to improve my physical health. I want to compete in some sort of sport again because coming from a sporting background, I missed that. Um, and I want to be able to spend time with my dog and my missus and, my, and stuff and my friends at the weekend without ruining my whole Sunday kind of thing. So I was fine if I drink on a Saturday, I'm just, my whole Sunday is in bed. I'm, I'm horrendously, horrendous with hangovers. I'm anxious. You get that whole BFE and you just you're not productive at all. So it just wasn't in line with my values. I was never someone who would they like, kind of drink on a Saturday, and drink on a Sunday, drink on a Monday sort of thing. It was just when I would go out, I would just I just would go too far and I wouldn't it just wasn't it wasn't making me feel good anyway. So committed to that. Um but I found I'm just so much more focused. In terms of like my routines, are a lot better now. I feel so much more productive. I feel like I've lost where I, where I was going beforehand. Now I've got went on a tangent here, yeah, but yeah, um, just I, I think like going back to the societal norm thing, it's um, it's it's just a strange thing how everyone just thinks it's normal to yes, I'm gonna escape my my problems stuff on a weekend, but without realizing it's a it's not it's not an addiction for some people. It's more just like a clutch. Something that they hold on to that sees them through the week, whereas there's more to life than just getting living, getting through the week to, to get to the weekend, and then obviously it can obviously spiral into to other things. Um, for yourself, how was the rehab process? I know you mentioned you've been through the rehab process quite a few times. How was yeah. it initially, initially? How how was it, and then obviously how did you end up getting to the point where you're at now?
1: Yeah, so I uh my first uh, attempt at rehab, well um was was it 2016 or 17 i think so i I, i've done 15 all up. um that's that's my number it's not something to be very proud of but uh back then um i knew i i I had a a bad problem um like i was getting withdrawals all the time um i couldn't i couldn't function so i i had a crack at it i didn't last too long i left um and i would keep coming back and, and trying so I knew I wanted to get I wanted to yeah, I wanted to get away from that life, but I guess uh I wasn't ready. I guess that's the best way to pull it. Like if you if you're ready and you've hit rock bottom and there's no way out, it's either you get recovered or you end up you end up in jail or you you die or you you end up on the street. Like this. this is if you're a an alcoholic addict where you you're getting to that those pits and that that level there's not many ways out um so I wasn't quite i guess ready um I was still fighting it i guess a lot of um denial or thinking i could control still control it uh, st- i still thought i was like other people um but i'm just not i'm just <laughs> i i the way i said one way i said is i burnt my off switch out i can't as soon as i have one i don't stop so it takes an intervention of some type and this can go from one month to six months where i'm just out of control and literally like i've been sectioned by the government um, or the state um psychiatric wards i've lost my sanity I've, I've self-harm um a lot of a lot of shit. and uh it's, um i i kept going back to a rehab and trying and trying and um what ended up happening was uh i it's before COVID happened, I um I decided to go to the Poland and I was going to get an Antibus in injection, right? So if you drank it, made you sick. And so I went there uh, with a mate, and it didn't end up didn't end up getting it. And I went to um, I came to Spain to um see my we weren't really together at the time. My my wife now she's uh, from Spain. This is how why we end up here. But I came to, to Spain and um literally COVID, uh, just happened. I didn't know what was happening. I got locked in this country and, um, I was alone. Um, my addiction just got worse and worse. And it got to the point where I had to go into rehab in Spain and in, a uh, all Spanish speaking rehab. Um, it was interesting. So even though I'm in a foreign country and, um, like it's, yeah, it's, it's difficult. Like, I even then put, I put my hand up. I want to get clean and sober, so it's not the most enjoyable, and comfortable place to be in, especially when you're trying to detox and try and get your life back on track. And then no one spoke English, um, but I pursued, um, persevered with it. I ended up doing two stints in that um, in that same rehab over about three months. And essentially, what what happened is, um, I the reason like I've hit rock, rock bottom. A lot of times well i thought it was rock bottom but you keep going deeper and deeper um and essentially i, I lost my, my sanity um i didn't have a touch a grasp on reality like uh, um i was very very sick uh and unwell um i think i did probably about six different six different times i was admitted to the hospital in Barcelona and in Valencia. just insane um So that was essentially, that was it. I couldn't, I can't live like that anymore. I have, I've always had aspirations of having a family, um, getting back into sport, um, building a new life. Uh, I guess before I never really, I couldn't see my future. Um, And that's getting back to like leaving the military leaving that brotherhood, uh, I thought that's something I would probably do for a very long time. And, um, it had purpose. It was meaningful. It was rewarding. Um, and to ha- not have that anymore, it, it, you do lose a bit of yourself. So I still, I still see myself as a bit of a soldier. Um, it, it's definitely helped me, but uh, it's time now to re, uh, create myself and leave that behind and, um, and i guess that's that was one of the a big thing as well holding on to past identity and that's just not me anymore and it's taken me a long time to do to deal with that accept it have some new goals new ambitions and move forward no that's
0: brilliant i appreciate you talking about that because obviously there's a lot of memory like obviously a lot of things going on there and a lot of happened in your life but you know what's great i love it when people have been through loads of shit and rubbish stuff in their life but they've turned it around and you're doing really great things now um, so like congrats in terms of the progression that you may obviously you. didn't know obviously what you were like beforehand, but what you're doing now is in terms of pushing this message out, out there. Um, cause one thing you mentioned there was you kind of burnt out your off switch. I think a lot of people need to, I had the same conversation with Alex, um, a lot of people need to accept that they're not the same as everybody else and they can't deal with it. Like I've had a conversation with a few people close to me and um, a few clients who are having issues with alcohol, not to like the extent of addiction, but they're just having issues with it. And I keep on saying to them, like, some people just can't cope and can't control things the same as others. Like, I could could probably still go out on a weekend and I'd be... I wouldn't... Obviously, I'd feel horrendous from it, but I wouldn't then go on a binge sort of thing from it or it wouldn't become, like, a, a, a ritual or a habit sort of thing. Whereas some people they just get hooked on it and they get so e- easily influenced. And there's even things like, um, I've listened to a lot of Andrew Huberman's podcast. I don't know if you've heard of him mm-hmm. before, but he talked yeah. about like, there's a certain percentage of people who react differently to alcohol, they actually get more of a buzz off it. And the same with drugs, they're actually more prone to addiction because of the kind of their genetic um, pre-de- um, deposition or how you say it. Yeah, but yeah, some, yeah so just... uh, the complicated words, I can't say them in the long words, but you know what I mean? <laughs> some people are just more prone to going down that route and sometimes you just need to be like, you know what, I need to accept that that is not for me, that like party lifestyle, that even just the regular drinking doesn't even have to be the party side of things, just regularly, that is not me, I need to kind of find something else to, um, not replace, it is replace it with, but just find something else that's going to kind of fill that gap. Um, and I guess tra- training's one of the big things, I know we'll, we'll probably dive into this, how important training is for you, but... Finding things that are gonna be yes, you can still get obsessed over it in a positive way, but it's gonna be beneficial for you, like the training. Um, it could be, it could be anything. It could be music. It could be art. It could be going for walks. It just could be anything else. Um. So yeah, just learning to accept that like you, like you just said there, like learn to accept that you might not that off that off switch is now gone. We need to just kind of try and find something else. Um, which I'm going on to, yeah. to. Obviously, you can you can talk about how important training is for yourself at the minute.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um. So. Training for me. So, um, we were talking before about sort of re-establishing, uh, recreating my new identity, I guess you could say. So, um, with my like, my, my Instagram handle is John Win Fitness and Sobriety, and I, I did that for specific reasons because I have to live this life, and I have to visually see it, and I have to embrace it. It's just who I am now. Um, it's not Mad Dog. It's not Party Guy. Like, it's it's not um, you know. Drunk. It's not, it's not all these other names. Like I need to embrace this and just move forward with my life. And um the fitness and the sobriety is is the two sort of um pillars which a lot of my foundation now is sort of built on. So training um is my is a tool that I use in my own recovery. And <clears throat> this is sort of one of where I'll be heading forward with my own sort of business and my own ideas of how I want to um give back and help. With my knowledge and my experience is so using fitness as a tool in in recovery. Because I see this a lot, um, a lot of a lot of guys, a lot of girls um, uh, um, having problems with, with addiction and that. But, and they've got like they enjoy fitness and it does something for them. But so you'll see like, a lot of people enter recovery they do a lot of sport a lot of fitness they stop doing that and the wheels come off and they go back to addiction and it's really common I think the personality traits of a lot of us this is how we are so I like to um, I want to be able to develop something where it's more sustainable and the training is it makes you feel good Um, it's pro-hormonal so it helps balance us out Um, your reward system has to get reprogrammed again Um, there's no so in addiction you are you drink or take drugs it's instant gratification yeah training is opposite like you do feel good after training but it's delayed gratification it takes a long time um so sticking to something not getting instant results um turning up so discipline resilience building um and just sticking to a program and structure so this is a big one where having a training program turning up, doing the work week after week and um, attaining some type of goal. Like you don't want to aim too high, but just have something to keep uh, stepping up and moving towards. Um, but training for me is the it keeps me grounded. So when, a lot of people when they enter into recovery, um, they'll it depends on the, the individual, but some people will be told not to do exercise. So and the reason for that is because you can use exercise as uh in the reward system senses like punishing yourself you get a cortisol hit sort of what hyrox does it gives you a cortisol hit and it's it's like a drug right so you have got to be careful with this um and that's uh I so working with my therapist who's um you know 15 rehabs before never worked I started working with him after and I, I still exercise but um I didn't I'm two years clean and sober now so it's, whatever we've done together has has worked and I get a lot of questions like what happened with this last time and this last time is I started working with a therapist doing an aftercare program in in conjunction with fitness and I've got to where I am and that was you know many years trying to get clean and sober and this time it does it worked so it's really important the training um in in uh, conjunction with therapy and um turning up and uh being in the support group helping other addicts and alcoholics so it's sort of hand in hand i see but the training is it's what I look forward to it's what helps me get up in the morning um so I'm bettering myself I'm making improvements um and it's a constant journey yeah like yeah as I'm getting older like the 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 goal um goals keep moving and it's not like you know you got this idea of how strong you want to be how fast you want to be what do you want to look like as you Get older, these things change, so it's never just a fixed point and it's constantly evolving. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, no, it's I lo- really important. That's, that's really important. Yeah, that's
0: why I love the journey of fitness because it is never a, there's no like kind of There is. There is even now with the top top level in 10 years' time, that top top level is going to be another 10 levels above. Like it's whatever humans are evolving, we're evolving. Um, so once you get kind of once you buy into that process, it's just that it's a never ending sort of journey to to want to keep on pushing yourself um. but like, it's great that you obviously what you're doing obviously helping other people who are dealing with, with obviously alcohol drug addiction and also pushing them into fitness even if you aren't addicted or had any sort of addiction in the past I think there's a massive carryover in terms of the benefits of exercise on your mental health on your physical health because a lot of people have a lot of stress at the minute and having something doesn't even have to be you, you're trying to train for a competition just train for your health and there's so many benefits to it Um, like I yeah, couldn't yeah, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have if exercise wasn't a thing. I don't know what that. I think I'd go absolutely insane. About um, it, I was going to touch on something, but I've lost where lost where I was going. <laughs> L- lost where I was going with it. Um, but yeah, mate, it's, it's it's brilliant to see obviously what you're doing in terms of routines. Are you big? Are you big? Obviously, I see you get up nice and early. You always put a little fit, picture of what time you get up on. Do you want to run? And um, was structure, one of the big things they pushed with um with the sort of rehab side of things and are you do you have a, like, a specific routine daily routine morning routine at all
1: yeah yeah so when when someone enters recovery you have to have a program you have to have a structure and the reason for this is um you need to know what you're doing so every my first six months three to six months of recovery uh, this time was I had a, a weekly schedule a daily schedule and then I know what time I got up I had to do mundane tasks because you need to reset the brain. Um, the brain wants, wants stimulus. It wants, wants to go back to how it was it wants to be fed. And, um, you've got to learn to just do mundane things and wait for the dust to settle Per se, like wait for the chemicals in your head need to rebalance. And this takes time. So when you have a structure routine, you know, what you're turning up to, you can't wander off and, you know, boredom or you, you can't get t- too lost. So you've got to be with yourself. Um, so like I had, I, did, I was doing mandalas, I was doing piano, I was doing colouring books, uh, I was cleaning, um, doing all these things in order to give myself an opportunity to just stick to get through the day and just do that and repeat it and repeat it. And eventually the mind will start to quiet down. It takes, it took about a year or so for that really to quiet down. But what the routine structure does is it gives you a set of, um points along the day where you've got to tick off so a big thing in recovery is um a day at a time so you're not looking forward to into the future because there's a lot of anxiety to, um exists there looking back in the past is a, a huge one because there's a lot of regret depression like there's a lot of negative emotions with that especially in recovery which if you think if you look too if you look back there too much it can drag you back there so there's it really uh, allows you to be present and just focus on all I've got to do is do this hour whatever whatever it is but as well like coming from the military that routine structure discipline is how we sort of operate and um it just it's very um methodical and um it just gets you through the day so in in recovery you you need to follow routine structure so what I do is I've incorporated incorporated that into my life now so I don't follow like a schedule per se but I wake up um I I take a photo of of the time I get up I do my talk before I train I talk after I train and that's to what I want to do is send a good message of what being consistent looks like and what it does and I get a lot of um a lot of good feedback by by a lot of people and it's it's really really encouraging Um, and I help motivate them it's if you're consistent, you'll you'll be able to move forward and get results and make progress. If you're inconsistent, it takes a very long time. But uh, what I want, uh, my goal is to like demonstrate to people that anyone can do this. Like I'm not sp- not special. Like I commit to something and I, it's what I put in, and then I get the results out. That's simply what it is. So uh, that routine structure is very very uh, essential for me. All my mornings start the same. I get up. Uh, I do, I prepare breakfast. Um, so I do eggs and cut fruit up for my wife and my daughter. And I, I go train, I come back, I eat up with them. Then I've got other clients. I do face-to-face or online, I do check-ins. And um, my weeks are very, very similar and that's okay. <laughs> um, it's it's opposite to how I used to live and went in addiction where I was just throw curveballs and stress and, I, you know, uh, sabotage myself and be a bit of addicted to, to drama. Uh, now, like, it's just mundane. I do the same things, and this is okay. And this is my new life, yeah. and that's that's where I am right now. Yeah,
0: yeah, I love, I love, you know, I love the simple life. I love the routine and structure because with the life that the typical sort of life like I mentioned before about working nine to five and then living for the weekend you're kind of on like a constant big or like up and down waves in terms of your happiness and kind of like just your overall enjoyment with life you're kind of Start the week, you're obviously maybe a little bit hungover still, you're a little bit down, you're not feeling the best, you're kind of starting here. Then as it comes towards the weekend, it's like Thursday, Friday, you're on a bit of a high because you're off. Saturday, you're super up here and then you're back down here. Whereas the life where you're kind of, you're a bit more structured, you're a bit more steady, you kind of just like, obviously there's going to be ups and downs, but you're a lot more steady and you're a lot more controllable. Whereas these big up and down wave, that's when you can kind of go down really dark sort of paths. Um, but like I said, the life that I've obviously since doing the six months sober, it's probably took me about three months to really get into the routine of it and see and kind of feel the real benefits of it. But it's just kind of like, just you become more focused if you pick certain goals. You can just focus towards them and your happiness kind of, it just it just stays at the same sort of level rather than going up and down. I just feel I just feel a lot better for it. And like you, you kind of focus on things. So I'll be training on weekends where I wouldn't be training. I'll be maybe doing a little bit of extra work on weekends, which is fine because it's kind of the, the, the journey that I'm on. You don't have to be kind of partying and stuff to get this kind of good release. Um, they talk about the difference between happiness and pleasure. Pleasure is the things that like your drugs, your alcohol, your partying. Happiness is the thing that gives you purpose in life. Like for me, it's my training. It's um taking my dog for walks, like little things like that, which sounds so simple. Like I'm having my cup of coffee in the morning, i want one of them people who wait like two hours before their cup of coffee, just because I'll, like, so I'll try and train or I'll train a few clients in the morning. Then I'll have my cup of coffee because that's something that I look forward to and it's like a reward for doing a little bit of work like them little things are so much better for your long term than the kind of big up and downs of partying drugs um oh, it's anything that gives you that sort of like quick like you mentioned that quick sort of even like even food people live for like fast food or like chocolate whatever it is trying to find different things to just kind of keep it a steady level um, and just accept, accept that that's a, a better life for for you rather than chasing the highs constantly
1: Yeah. Like that's in recovery. Um, you need to learn how to be stable and not those ups and downs are where you come unstuck, uh, because it's such a erratic life, um, that you need to, and it takes a while to just get used to this. And when you're used to this for a while, happiness will start to come back. Like look, to be honest, I'm over two years now. And, um, I still don't have a lot of joy, a lot of, um, powerful feelings. It's and I think like I know I've done damage to myself um, from trying just constantly feeding myself alcohol, drugs to feel and to escape and whatever it is, what the feeling, whatever that feeling do to me. I've damaged myself and I need to be patient and understand it. Just takes time to come back and it will. um, But the simple things in life will start to be a bit more colorful and a bit more, you know, um, just exciting again. Uh, So they say three plus three years is where you you really get back to getting yourself back to who you were before um so I've still got about a year year to go but I'm very optimistic um and yeah like it's just I need to give myself that opportunity and just understand this is a process and stability is the best thing for me right now
0: yeah no I can understand that in terms of like you you' not feel the same sort of things it's like um absolutely I've never touched like drugs or anything like that I've, I've never I've we are, I've, I've, I've thought something went off there, but yeah, I've never touched drugs or anything. Um, it's always just been alcohol, and I'm always been very reluctant to even like go that. Like, obviously, like, occasionally like one of my friends might do something like if you're on holiday in Ibiza, but I've been be like, well, I, I'm not doing that because I'm scared if I do do that, that's my new norm. Alcohol's not gonna like having a, just a few beers when I'm on holiday in the sun, like that's that's my norm. That I'm happy with that at the minute. If I then go to that level, I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna be constantly chasing that sort of that's, that's the level that I want to go at. So I'm like, I'm very reluctant to that. But now since obviously doing a six month sober, I'm kind of so used to my, my baseline level being down here. And then if I like, say I have a really good workout, that's a big high for me. That's like something that gives me the buzz. Like I know what, after I do my high rocks in, um, in February, that's going to be a big high for me. These natural sort of highs, like I go for a hike, we've got some good, like we've got the Lake District, which has got some amazing mountains and stuff. That sort of stuff is like a buzz for me. Um, I do sea dips. I love doing sea dips. I do one every every Sunday morning I go for a run, do it jump jump in the North Sea, which is freezing cold. It was minus one last week. That wasn't too enjoyable. But little things <laughs> like that, and then I and I'll sit down and have breakfast with my missus, and and and, and obviously take my dog for but them little things are what I'm chased, I like kind of looking forward to now, rather than these extent like external things that you can just kind of consume, rather than like I said, the natural things. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was how is being a dad changed you as well. Has that kind of changed your mindset and been one of the reasons why you've really stuck to the sobriety or has it changed anything at all?
1: Yeah, so my my daughter's 13, 14 months now. Yeah. Um so I was about three months clean and sober when my wife fell pregnant. So it's definitely helped me stay on the path. Like in recovery, like I need to be able to, I need to do it for me and want to change. It definitely has helped me stay the course. Um having a, a child um, it it makes me be well, not so selfish, right? Um, yeah. Addiction is very selfish, and I'm I'm doing things to make myself feel better. Now I need to do things to look after someone else and be. So you know, I've got to be, I've got to be a role model. I've got to demonstrate to her what it's um what it's it's what it's it's like to be have values and you know um do good things. Like I, well, I grew up um. I didn't probably get the best out of that of, of, of my father, I guess. Um, so I want to demonstrate to her, you know, like someone who doesn't drink someone who is there, um, listens, expresses himself, um, is able to show emotion, which is, this is a big task for me. And it's a problem. I'm still working through with therapy and my wife and whatnot, that I can be a little bit too stoic and, um, uh, it, it's I don't know if it's a weakness I, I think it's a weakness or you know, I need to be able to express myself and be be there for her um so I, the only way I can do that is being clean and sober like if I if I pick up again like oh my life would go back to exactly how it was before I don't get the opportunity to see her so I've got a lot of responsibility and that's okay um I can take that on and it's yeah my life isn't so much about me it's about providing for her and um, demonstrating to her, um, you know, all the, the good things I want to show that, you know, life can can have and be. Oh,
0: that's great that. How have you managed, um, managed training around having a daughter? Has that been tough?
1: <laughs> so if you if you see, if you follow me, uh, you see how early I get up. So at least I've done my one session. I, uh, it's good that I get up early because I, I can factor this in. So I knock my training session off before, one session off before my wife and daughter are even awake and then I get my other session in around clients in the afternoon. That's the only way I can do it is starting so early. Like um, we, we put her in uh, daycare now, and that's um, the system here in Spain is really good accommodating for that. It's not too expensive. So and the, and the women are lovely there. So um, she, she gets to go there for a few hours in the day, but it, it is tough. Um, look, would I be better of an athlete if I didn't have um, my daughter? I think it would be a lot more, less stress, um, a lot, lot more time I could dedicate, but this is life and responsibilities being a father and, um, providing, um, I need to do the best I can with the resources and time I have. Yeah. Um,
0: I guess it's not a bad, um, bad kind of, what's the word obstacle, I guess. I'm having a, having a child, I'm daughter, adult, it's not the, not the worst thing to try and move around.
1: Nah, look, I think. Any parent who is a, wanting to be an athlete as well, like, there's a lot more stress we have to go through than the the single, uh, like, um, I think, like, a lot of my competitors, like, in the in the hierarchy, there, there are a lot of fathers there, and then there's guys who are just single, like, if, definitely, if you're single, you've got a bit, heaps bigger advantage, but you don't also don't have the life, the lot, sort of life experience, and, the, um, like, they both have pros and cons, but I think, um, You know, I thought a lot about the meaning of life and what it is. And I think to bring someone into this world and try to show them and teach them things which maybe I didn't have or uh, I'd like to teach, like this is a good opportunity and I've just got to manage both at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's almost
0: an extra motivation for you as well? If you know you've got your wife and kid at home for this, you're obviously flying away to different countries for these races. There's going to be a reason behind it. Obviously, if you put a good performance in, then it's kind of it's kind of benefit the family at the end of the day, isn't it? Really going to help. Yeah, it, this it?
1: is this 100. Like, the reason I've committed to doing these these elite races, so I'll go to Chicago in a few weeks, is I've got an opportunity here very early on in my career to um, get known and get. And when you get known, is where you get opportunities. So um, you need to be seen. Unfortunately, in this world, this, you need to be seen on um, on social media. You need to be you need, people need to know who you are and then once they see the good things you're doing and um giving back and what you know sort of what you stand for opportunities come so the reason i'm doing this is to uh do well um but it's for my family as well to um to get opportunities that's brilliant man you, you seem to be doing really well right
0: so i'll give you a little bit of a heads up for these last uh last three questions obviously i sent them all by email i saw my guest this one uh so first question three people you'd like to it's kind of like a dinner party sort of scenario three people you'd like mm-hmm. to have rounds and just kind of chat to Any, anybody past our present
1: yeah that's um there's a, there's a lot yeah but uh like I narrowed it down to three so I think number one would be probably Marcus Aurelius um yeah. a Stoic philosopher so uh in I've um went down a lot of um sort of Stoic um um uh, is it camera
0: yeah, it's when it's went all fuzzy for some reason. I'll never
1: go. Bye bye. Goodbye. Yeah. So Marcus, uh, Marcus Aurelius, just a lot of Stoic philosophy. You know, I believe um, uh, it's helped sort of get to where I am, and um, um I think it'd just be uh, it'd be pretty cool. I think. Um. So the next one'd be Bruce Lee. I think. uh and, again, for sort of philosophy reasons, and um, sort of his approach and mindset as well, I think would be very rewarding um to sort of pick his mind and the last one is sort of I guess like Buddha or Gandhi would sort of one or if I had um either of those two I guess for just the um for the reasons of just uh being humble and being at peace and not conflict and just uh, being being at one yeah like um, yeah, so that'll that yeah, three. A lot of and wisdom
0: they, on that table there. There'll be a lot in that dinner table be a lot of wisdom. It's, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of wisdom. Yeah. Um, next one in terms of three people you'd like to train with.
1: Yes, yeah, so this was tough. Uh so I wanted to get people from different sort of um different backgrounds. So the first one was uh Carl Lewis. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know Carlos so he's an yeah, Olympic. Yeah, yeah so I think he's he's got a heap of gold, uh medals from the Olympics. He was a uh, sort of runner and a long jumper um the next one so for sort of strength and um sort of weights would be Arnold Schwarzenegger I, I guess that's a I guess that's a pretty common one and for the third one um because I'm in the world of high rocks now I guess uh I'd like the opportunity to be able to train with um well I guess the, the best sort of uh high rocks athlete there has been and uh Hunter McIntyre actually mm um I get a lot of people dislike him or like him for me I I, I like him I like what he's his, um his approach and intensity and uh I'd like the opportunity to be able to, to um sort of pick his mind and train with someone of that level um because I think training with guys who are a little bit above you or what you perceive above you allow you they drag you up so exposure to, to people who um, Yeah, so you can bring out the best of you. And that's one thing I miss in the training partner is someone who can sort of push me along. So that'd be a good opportunity.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm like that. I like, I love training on my own. I kind of like, it's my sort of me time, especially for like long runs and, and the stuff, but it is always good to, when you train with someone who's fit and you're like, God, I need to like, is it the same when you're hype, when you're looking at your times on high rocks and you're looking at little stations that you need to improve. It's like, God, I can pick 10 seconds up one and there. I can do this, that, and the other. Um, But yeah. Has he retired from high rocks? Has he kind of stopped like a frizzy retired or has he just stop for a little bit?
1: No, I think he's uh, concentrating on trying to qualify for the Olympics in, um, in like a, a solo rowing um I can't I can't remember what it's called oh I've seen he's been putting um, things yeah, on his story doing a
0: bit of that. yeah it's he's yeah, quick yeah on it's that, it's, to be fair
1: yeah no respect like going after something which um like he's conquered everything sort of in the high world so going after something else um so hats off hats off to him I'd love the chance to get a race against him compete against him but maybe in a few years
0: yeah, no. I look at the time will come. You'll be you'll be number one soon. The way to be fair, you've only just started your high rocks career. has literally just just started the last few months. So there's always the longer you're in the game, the more you learn. The more you kind of you get fitter. You learn different techniques, whatever it is.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's I'm hoping. Yeah, like give me another year or two, and I'm more developed as, as a runner. I think I um, will definitely progress. here. Yeah. and who knows? Who knows what a few years holds. <laughs> exactly. I know the sport. I think the sport's growing
0: massively as well. Um, it'd be interesting to see if they'd ever like do it like a kind of a, a change a few stations for it, or is it always going to be the same eight stations? Obviously, I, I don't know if that would be something they would do, but I think the way it's looking, obviously, I know it's kind of a new-ish sort of sport that's kind of growing. Whether they would ever change it, or it would just always be the same sort of race, or maybe just keep on increasing the weight. So I don't know if people are going to get stronger and fitter.
1: Yeah, like I, my understanding is that it will probably stay the same, because uh, um, if it's the same, it's um, you can keep um, replicating it. And that means it could get to the point where it could be an Olympic sport or it could get to that level, but you know what you're training for. It's not the like CrossFit where you've got to train. And you just don't know what you're turning up for. Like it's very consistent. And that's what I think being consistent allows pe- people from uh, all different levels. To be able to turn up and know what they're getting into and progress so you know you're getting better but they do like in in america uh they do a go rough version where you do it with a vest on
0: <laughs> yeah i've just it's... i've just got myself a 10 kg weird vest to be fair so i'm tempted to like do a few mop runs in with it but it's brutal like burpees with a 10 kg vest isn't fun yeah but
1: I'd, I'd, I'd like to give it a go yeah um uh I think I, I think I'd do well at that. I'm more of a compromised runner and moving with kit uh, than I am a, a runner. So I I, I think i do well at that too. But um yeah, that's it sounds pretty brutal. <laughs> yeah, that would
0: be option. you got to wait at the best um, competition sort of thing. And um, last question anyway, one thing that you would say it yourself 10 years ago. Um drinking is it's not going to solve your problems. Yeah, nice nice little simple one i think there's a big really good message that you've been passing obviously spreading not just in terms of alcohol but in terms of fitness can do for you for mental health what routine you can do if you i'm a big person of routine i'm the whole get up early cold shower i do all them sort of like, the ritual things but they're things that i know help me that i couldn't i couldn't function the same way that i do i couldn't be as productive like i always start my day with some form of mobility or a run one or the two um so the sort of structure and if anybody needs some fitness or motivation for anything definitely follow john i'll put your instagram down below like the description or the, the show notes of the podcast just because you're up every day, putting something on, you do your little talk. You your like, since I've been following you out every single day, I've been looking at it. Um, I'm really interested, if you're into training, I'm really interested in it looking into your training, what you're doing, trying to pick up tips. Obviously, now I'm in the, I'm going to probably venture into the high rock sort of world because I'm kind of, I, I can see myself getting quite um, like kind of a bit addicted and kind of obsessed with it. Um, really? So yeah, I'll definitely, yeah, I know I can already, I can already tell I'm loving the training at the minute. Obviously, I know I'm doing a paired one at the minute. I'm definitely 100% going to do a solo one. Um I'm hoping to do the one in London uh in May. I don't know if I'll jump straight in with the pros yet. I'll see how well I do with the doubles and high rocks, but I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely jump in um jump in London. But whether it be pro or not, I don't think I'm at the running capacity yet um to be able to do that. My runs are okay, but not not any of your sort of pro
1: I'm not I'm not sub so four minutes yet on my on my runs yet. Yeah, look, my my advice would be, yeah, give it a crack, yeah, like, and just have the right mindset, like, you're not, you're not, you don't have to go in it to win it, yeah, Um, you can go in there to get a taste for it, Um, because if, you you know, if you want to stick in this and um, you want to, uh, like, next year do well, like, if you qualify for these championship races or world champs, like, you will push pro weight, you won't push open weight, so, why not just get used to it you know, to be fair i have been training.
0: Tra- i've in. been saying to my training partner he's like why are we doing nine kilograms and wall balls like well if i make it hard now it's going to be easy when it comes to the day so we've been doing like the 200 kg sled um i think we only be doing 25 i didn't realize the pro weight was 30 kg for lunges i didn't realize that so i've been doing 25 thinking that was the <laughs> pro way so and then i've been doing 9 kg wall balls and stuff um so yeah, it's just I'd rather train to make it harder. And then on the day, like you talked about doing your hierarchy, like doing it with like a little bit of extra distance, a little bit more weight, whatever it is, uh, making it harder because then on the day it's gonna feel like a, a little bit shorter, easier race.
1: Yeah, that's that's the mindset I have, and that's I think that approach is it's worked, it's got me to where I am now. But yeah, mate, just jump in, like you you'll get used to it. Yeah, like just don't have too much fear and just use it all as learning. Like everything we do in life and these steps we take is experiences and you take from it what you can and move on to the next thing and just apply what you can and just discard the rest
0: I mean, that's it I'm, I'm doing a pro right? at some point probably next probably next season a bit more training um and then it will definitely get myself in and appropriate hey, we might race against each other one day you never know yeah i'll see you then and you'll be like another station ahead of me i'll be waving at you never mind <laughs> but yeah like, like i said i'll put john's everything you've got a website as well don't you i'll tag everything down below yeah. Um, but yeah, he's a very—he's an open boot. You can message him because obviously I message him to do his podcast straight away. Replied. So definitely, if you have any questions, um, pop a message me. But
1: thank you very much for your time, anyway. Awesome. No, no, thanks. Uh. Like I like doing these things. Yeah. Like I said, I'm an open book. Like um, I get a lot of a lot of questions, and I try to help people where I can when, when I'm not quite busy. But uh, I think giving back and um, the strength in a community. Yeah, and like what goes around comes around. Um, that's the sort of philosophy I, I like to use. No, look,
0: that nice way to end, mate.
1: Thank you very much.